The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Eight minutes after eight. Thanks for tuning in. Very cold uh, morning in Johannesburg. Hope you're wrapped up warmly. Now on the forum at eight this morning, we put the spotlight on the move by political parties and civil society groups uh, taking political battles to the courts. Now, uh, some would say that uh, this is an avenue that is open to them and therefore uh, there should be no issue. But others are saying this could possibly point to a judicial overreach. Now, in some of the latest developments, President Jacob Zuma is now appealing the decision by the North Gauteng High Court um, Judge Bashir Valley that he must hand over his reasons and record of decision to explain a cabinet reshuffle. And this, of course, follows an application by the Democratic Alliance to the High Court in Pretoria to force President Zuma to produce the intelligence report that was used in that reshuffle decision. And meanwhile, a lobby group, My Vote Counts, the Helen Suzman Foundation, they've also turned to the constitutional court uh, to challenge uh, some issues and uh, last month the United Democratic Movement went to court in a bid to have a vote on a motion of no confidence in President Jacob Zuma held uh, through secret ballot and that uh, coming before the court this morning. The ANC for its part has raised concern on the matter saying that the judiciary is playing into the political space and that this is judicial overreach. So this morning we look at that and we ask whether the judiciary is overstepping. And joining us for the discussion this morning, we have uh, Mr. Butsang Moelua. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Uh, good morning, Sakina, and good morning to the SAFM listeners. You're most welcome. And joining us uh, also is Professor Somadota Fikeni. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Good morning to your listeners and uh, greetings to... Mr. Moilua, let me start with you. Do you believe that at this point there is cause for concern given what is happening currently in the political space and the fact that more often it seems as though those uh, political solutions uh, cannot be found and therefore the courts need to arbitrate? Well, uh, Sakina, I I don't think there is anything wrong uh, that is happening in the political space. South Africa uh, 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 is in a, a conditional democracy that is maturing. What is happening to see the political opposition parties taking a stand against the ruling party? It's very much common and normal within the democratic dispensation. But what will be of concern to me is how political parties and various non-governmental organizations and lobby groups and interest groups have entered this space to perform duties and or responsibilities that were supposed to have been of opposition parties. And in doing so, uh, due to the fact, obviously, that they, they are not in Parliament or the National Assembly, they will then approach uh, the courts of the country, supported by the opposition parties. Now, there is nothing wrong in a constitutional democracy. Everybody is allowed and permitted to can approach the courts if they think their rights or legal uh, position has been vindicated or has been compromised. They can oppose the court. But if the opposition parties fail to perform their duties of keeping the ruling party in their toes within the ambit of the law, in other words, within the National Assembly, within Parliament, within the Executive Cabinet, and they rush to court, 
I've got a slight concern with that because then it means courts are being used in this instance to make political decisions when we have politicians who are inverted commas employed by the nation who can make such political decisions in parliament. And I think the courts are being abused to some extent. Why abused if that is a valid avenue that uh, those who are unhappy can actually go that way? But, but what we should be looking at, Sakina, is what are they unhappy with? You know, if you are unhappy with a person called Jacob Zuma and you oppose the court in, in contradiction to the constitutional provisions, then you are actually attacking the same constitution of the country that is supposed to be protecting us and the opposition parties just because of you don't like the person sitting in power. You know, then when I'm saying abuse, the constitution is there and it's very clear of on what needs to happen under any circumstances. If there was no clarity, if there was a gray area where the opposition and the interest groups, or even individuals like me and you, will approach the court and say, but there is no uh, clarity here, there is a gray area. But where the area is very clear, even the court, the, the courts are there to interpret the Constitution, to implement what is in the Constitution, not to go and reinvent what is already clear in the Constitution. And let me use an example. An example is... Uh, 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 the court being approached to can uh, make a determination or on, on behalf of the Speaker of Parliament or for the Speaker of Parliament to can make a ruling when the Constitution is very clear under which circumstances can the Speaker of Parliament make uh, a, a determination on secret ballot. You know, uh, in, a motion of, in a motion of no confidence according to our Constitution, the proceedings in the National Assembly will vote openly and pass and adopt such rules. The Constitution is very clear. Now, if you approach the court abusing an opportunity that says anybody can approach the court, the court then gives you an opportunity, because you are a constitutional democracy, to present your case. The court, in my view, Sankina, goes and makes, well, they haven't made a decision, but I doubt if the court will make a decision to force the Speaker of Parliament who can adopt a, say, a vote of, you know, of, of secret or a secret ballot vote. When the condition is clear, when can the speaker do that? And that's what I mean when I say the condition is being abused. So we have a constitution that we don't trust. We have a constitution that the people in the National Assembly, the politicians and political leaders do not have power. They are the same people who actually have power to can amend that constitution if it does not serve the interest of the people of South Africa. They are the ones who are actually empowered to can amend it. But no, 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 they're not doing that. They rush to the court and say to the court, break this constitutional law so that you can allow us to do our duties or to, to do our role as an opposition. And I don't think that is correct. Professor Figeni, do you agree that the courts are being abused by politicians and political parties? Yes, they are being abused even where you may say there are legitimate issues. Uh, For almost seven years I've been raising the issue that the failure and the collapse of internal democracy within political parties, as well as the failure of mature engagement between political parties, is likely going to create judicial fatigue in which, well-intended as it may be, even the judiciary may start encroaching on spaces 
which otherwise they would not have encroached on because to adjudicate branch chairperson fighting with a branch chair secretary, to adjudicate people being disciplined by their parties or the lease for branch conferences being twisted and corrupted is a sign of a bigger systemic problem. And now in a constitutional democracy, people are within their right and it is legitimate that they should seek recourse in the courts of law. But at the same time, the goodness that is coming out of some of these cases such as the one which was trying to test Tulima Donzela's powers. Some of the things when you write a constitution, you never imagine each and every scenario, but through experiences, that's when you begin to test those scenarios and try to get to the mind of the framers of the constitution to say what could have been a reasonable intent in that space. For example, the logic of a secret ballot when you elect the president and the logic of saying you should raise your hands or press a button when you are now voting on the vote of no confidence is rather contradictory in a sense. I heard that some of the heads of arguments are saying that voters want to know how people have voted. If that be the case, it should apply when people are voting for a president. The same logic. At the same time, you are seeing blunders in the ruling party where at times power is used in a majoritarian sense of crude numbers. Instead of saying, yes, we use in a constitutional democracy a majority but within the prescripts of the law. Some of the instances you are beginning to see things that you can't possibly explain, like the one of Brian Molefe and how pension fund operates. In such instances, then you have no other option but to go to courts. But that people go to court virtually at every step of the way. For example, when DA went to court to say they want to prevent president from appointing a cabinet, that in itself, one knew that it would never succeed in a sense because it sets a precedent. Uh, but where there are legitimate reasons, for example, the concern about the application of logic and rationale, even where there is discretion, it's also okay that it should, but that he should provide records whenever he appoint ministers in a political process, I don't think it is actually tenable. But that could have just zoomed on one thing. Was the spy report used, and is it a valid thing? And you confine yourself there rather than to question the entire appointment because he might as well just said, I can't work with this minister, therefore I want another one, period. 
So let's look at the issue of um, majoritarianism, as you put it, and when uh, things happen unintendedly. So, for example, when there is an abuse of power, when Parliament does not perform its oversight duty um, accordingly, what then needs to happen? Because then you have a very real situation whereby um, the party with the majority members in Parliament are able to block um, uh, 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 such uh, uh, corrective actions from happening. What needs to happen in that case, uh, Professor Figeni? I think uh, then Parliament or those who are aggrieved should go to courts because even the exercise of power, there should be reasonable grounds that oversight in line with good governance was practiced. It is quite conceivable in a crude majoritarian sense that you could have a week-long debate on anything and the ruling party could just keep quiet and people could provide presentations and reasons and then they would say let's just vote and they vote against everything without providing an argument. That is actually not exercising the oversight or even legislative role in a constitutional democracy. But in a majoritarian sense, you raise your hand and you keep quiet and no one can ask any questions. So our constitution is the basis, and it may even be the basis if one branch appeals and says this is a judicial overreach. They would have to still go back to the constitution and interpret the constitution as to whether indeed it was an overreach or not. Similarly, they have the duty to protect executive authority where executive has the authority from, let's say, judiciary or from parliament. So that is the beauty of constitutional democracy when well understood and well exercised. Well, Butsang, let me bring it to you as well, that very question about what then should happen in the case where Parliament fails in its oversight duty, when Parliament fails to hold the executive accountable. Where do you go except for the courts? Well, well, uh, Sakina, under those circumstances, uh, the intrepid parties will be left with no choice but to approach the court, and especially the constitutional court. And that is if whoever is approaching the court is convinced and can convince the court as well that uh, uh, the, the parliament is not playing its oversight duty. And the, at, at least we have a case study, you know, in this country with regard to the case of Ndandla uh, first thing and secondly the decisions or some of the decisions of the previous public protector. We have, we have a precedent. And also let me go back to what you asked earlier on uh, or what uh, uh, Dr. Somadona has has. has that has indicated to say, uh, but then the laws, you know, can change. And unfortunately, uh, we have cases whereby the Constitution was being challenged or a constitutional position. I said at the beginning of my conversation, we are in a developing and growing and maturing constitutional democracy. Clearly, when the Constitution was written way back in the 1990s, some of the circumstances, we are all human beings, some of the circumstances were not envisaged. But as and when we mature as a nation, and some instances happen, like the Nganda case, for example, like the vote of no confidence process, for example, when people approach court and court decide otherwise, 
that is part and parcel of, you know, improving the condition of the country. But I've already said there are judicial processes in improving the constitution of the country. And in this instance, let me go again and use an example of uh, the motion of no confidence. And Dr. Somazadafikeni has made it very clear to say parliament has also a responsibility to protect the executive authority. In, in, in the executive authority applying his constitutional right as the head of state. It is, you know, the, the system of parliamentarians protecting citizens only, we should recall that they have a duty to protect the constitution. They have a duty to perform as the messengers of the nation, to perform a constitutional right in protecting the constitution of the country. And I don't dispute that, and I've said it at the beginning, that people can go to court. But you don't just go to court when there's a platform in Parliament. And unfortunately, we are in a, in a as, as, as the doctor had said, we are in a you know, totalitarian uh, 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 kind of democracy whereby the majority rules. And that's what we wanted. That's what we are stuck with at the moment, unless we change that part of the Constitution to say, no, 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 no. It cannot just be according to the majority vote. But we are in, that, in those circumstances. People are now looking for an open uh, a vote in Parliament. Why, when we go and we vote as a nation during an ele- election uh, process, why don't we are opening, uh, voting openly to say, no, no, this thing of secrecy doesn't work. Let us vote openly. Then it is actually disrespecting the individual. In this instance, the disrespect is not on MPs, because MPs are there to represent uh, the constitu- their constituencies. The constituencies have put those MPs there. So if you are saying to those MPs they must vote openly, then you are actually indirectly saying that the people of South Africa should vote openly. And this is my interpretation of the whole process. Well, is it? Is it actually? But I'll tell you what, uh, hold that thought. Uh, 0891-104-208, some calls coming through. Let's start with uh, Hassan in Johannesburg. Good morning. Uh, Hi. So, you know, I think probably uh, we have a framework that uh, distinguishes purely disputes, not that they can benefit, but those that are under the constitutional or legal framework and the social political ones. And I think what's happening is that uh, uh, I don't have a problem that uh, lawyers and others test the constitution, but I have a problem with only particular kind of lawyers of reform and others because it does distort uh, uh, the way the court can actually grow, you know, in making decisions that are unfavorable favorable for the majority of marginalized people. But I, I think my concern more is about activists, those working in communities, in the unions and others, simply resorting to the court instead of using other means of popular power to force their politicians to be accountable. And I think that is the missing link. So my problem is not so much a legal one, but the impact of how We've abdicated our, our power as citizens, even to a third party to adjudicate whether we're right or wrong. You know, and I think that's a problem, you know. And then, of course, your point that you raise about parliamentarians not doing their work. Citizens must put pressure on parliamentarians. Citizens must put pressure on, on politicians. I mean, when Comey was uh, pulled back by, by uh, his uh, leader, Trump, I mean, uh, Congress said, we're going to subpoena these guys to come in, or not, we're going to call them to come account, isn't it? Just, to subpoena them, actually. Here now, country parliament quiet on big issues when they can simply say, well, we have hearings to find out what is the story. Mm-hmm. How come Brian Mulefe can get reinstated when he was dismissed? When he wasn't dismissed, he resigned. You know, I mean, they, they, the, our parliament's silent. 
uh, of course, cope to their trying to protest outside, but I think the combination between popular power and the judiciary can actually help us. But simply using the legal strategy, I think politically, could be counterproductive for civic movements. Given the system that we have, Hassan, how uh, could the public go about uh, putting pressure on Parliament? Well, there are select committees. There are various forms of this. I mean, you can see that the parties that don't act in favour of the people get delegitimized. I mean, I think one doesn't have to wait for a fully-blown constitutional reform. You know, the ANC loses every time it sides with the, with the most powerful. When it sides with the most corrupt, they lose. You know, so there's enough to be, to be done. The Human Rights Commission, the Chapter 9, the Gender Commission, they are missing opportunities there to say, listen, we want to have a hearing on this. Their mandate is to act without fear or favor. These are institutions supporting democracy. Well, thank you so much, Hassan in Johannesburg. Frank Talk is in Mangaung. Good morning. Morning, Fakina. Look, look at a quick one. You know, I would have loved to get a constitutional law expert on this, but, but, but I just want to say, you know, in South Africa, there are four arms of state, right? You have the judiciary, the executive, the legislature, as well as the new one, which is called Chapter 9 Institutions. Now, what is key here, and, and this is what the drafters of the Constitution knew beforehand, because, you know, Mandela and others spoke about the trappings of power, the temptations that power does, that at times it corrupts and it corrupts absolutely. Now, that's why courts were given that mandate, to make sure that they supervise these other arms of state. They are the only ones that have that power and are a final arbiter. So, so this talk that says courts may overreach, I, I, I don't buy it because it is entrenched in the very same constitution. If you read, for example, Section 170 of the constitution, it says all courts may decide any matter determined by an act of parliament. Now, remember the constitution was an act of parliament until very recently, you know, where we just call it the constitution, but it was Act 108 of 1996. Now, the courts have the power to make sure that any other power that is given in terms of the constitution meets the values and the principles of that constitution. Now, now if a president acts within the confines of the constitution, he gets his mandate from the Constitution, only the courts can determine whether he has acted, one, in the best interest of the people. Now, remember, our democracy speaks about openness, it speaks about accountability. Now, every other person is accountable, and this is not a new thing, by the way, because there is this talk that this thing is starting uh, you know, during uh, uh, Jacob Zuma administration. It's not. If you go back, but Louis Late, I was as frustrated as angry, but Louis Late took Mandela to court, that matter was decided by the Constitutional Court. And amongst all other things, the Constitutional Court said in Louis Lake Sarfu uh, versus Mandela, it said that it, the executive's powers are not unfettered. You're not dealing with the king yet. Those powers are given by the Constitution, and there must be accountability. And of importance, the court said, in its obita dictum, uh, you know, we, we have to make sure that the president, at all material times, acts in good faith, acts within the interest of the public uh, and, and the populace.
this morning. Uh, we are talking about uh, the judiciary and judicial overreach because it seems as though more and more uh, politicians and political parties are unable to resolve their political issues politically and therefore the courts are called into question to make some of these decisions. So we are asking this morning uh, whether uh, the judiciary is overstepping. Should we be concerned at this stage of judicial overreach? 891 is our call-in number. You can SMS us on 40938 or you can tweet to Facebook at AM Live on SAFM using the hashtag AM Live. Our guest this morning, Professor Sumatota Figeni, as well as uh, Mr. Butsang uh, Mueloa and uh, both political analysts. And uh, you, uh, let's go to Frank Talk first. Uh, ah, I see we lost him, but maybe we can just uh, respond to both Frank Talk and uh, Hassan who called before the break. Uh, let me start with yeah. you, Butsang. Yeah. Oh, Frank Talk, you're still uh, there. Yes, I'm here. Ah, apologies, I lost you on my screen. So, 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 oh, please okay. just put your question to our guest. No, we've lost Frank talk there. Uh, but okay. yes, let me let me actually commend your first caller. I didn't get the name. The gentleman from Cape Town, when he made a reference to uh, lobby groups and activist community organizations, to say they are not properly using the current available space. Because remember, our constitution and parliamentary processes allows lobby groups, allows organizations which are not political parties in parliament to approach parliament, to approach select committees or parliamentary committees and make representations, make suggestions and contribute towards improving and developing the policies of the country. One of the examples is last week, actually, uh, uh, the Black Presidents Movement, which is not the political organization or political party, was given an opportunity to go and present a paper towards government regarding the financial sector. Those are some of the opportunities this organization should be using. I think the gentleman is correct in putting pressure, in highlighting to uh, politicians and MPs where they are failing to say, but you are failing us as a nation. We are here as lobby groups, we are here as activists, and we are also the watchdogs on top of the court as well as the section uh, and nine institutions which the constitution provides to can, you know, oversee this process. We have community organizations which can also put pressure, expose any form of corruption or expose any form of abuse of power, as people have been saying that there is an abuse of power in parliament. But if we don't stand up and rise as citizens of this country to say to those we have put in power, and I will say the African National Congress in this instance, then we are defending ourselves. But depending on court rulings, and you know what will happen now, Sakina, appeals over appeals over appeals. I am telling you, this case of uh, 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 the DAT in the president to court to go and, and, and explain and give reason or rationale of his decision to, to, to reshuffle the cabinet. And I don't want to focus on one minister or on the finance sector only. He reshuffled cabinet. There's three or four ministers who have actually lost their position in cabinet. Why should we focus on one? You know, then, and it is his constitutional right. If political parties and opposition in parliament think he actually abused his constitutional rights and powers in reserving the cabinet. They should approach it in this instance, not to go and say, give rationale, why did this happen? And also, to their disadvantage or detriment. Okay. We will recall that the president never used the so-called spy report in, in this meeting, Mr. Pravin. It's so sad that actually Mr. Pravin himself 
stood up and said, actually, he was never told anything. He heard about it in the media. So who presented this report and to who is something that we will wait and hear in court, unfortunately. Uh, just coming back to Hassan's point about activists and lobby groups, how effective can those be in reality? Uh, because I can imagine that it would be much easier to get uh, your word and your cause heard if it resonates with the majority. But if it doesn't, how effective is that? That, that, that is correct. If it resonates with the majority, but remember the advantage they have is that they are at the heart of sex deliveries in the country. They are at the heart of what the people, the majority people on the ground want. Let us use an example of the Matekele Lobby Group, which became a political party at the end. Those are some of the groups that you recall how the political party, AI came into power. It started as a lobby group for Matakele. And they developed and they grew to become a political party, which is in very minority. But look at what they have done during local elections. A minority party uh, like the AAIC and the EFF, they have managed to turn the situation to make them key makers in that instance. That's one of the areas they can play. Another area they can play, you know, remember, when political parties run towards elections, what they normally do is they go to the majority of the people on the ground who are the voters. This where these lobby organizations, if they have made their mark and put in the communities, by the time political parties come and campaign in those communities, the community will say, but Salah, no, we have a lot of competence we present us. You will have to talk to us via okay. the lobby group. And those are some of the examples. You know, there's various other ways that the lobby groups can use in influencing. Because they can even influence political parties. You know, let's look at how the Helen Men Foundation and many other foundations are influencing the DA at the moment. They are in partnership. They work hand-in-hand with the Democratic Alliance in order to further the interest to get the Afriforum in the DA relationship. You know, so those are some of the platforms that can be used by this lobby group. Well, again, we question how effective those platforms are because Matatiele, the last time I checked, was still in the Eastern Cape whilst its residents want to be in KwaZulu-Natal. Professor Fikeni, your word quickly before we go back to the lines. Well, I do think that we should heed the warnings about the regular frequent use of courts by foundations or lobby groups because two things may happen. The most well-resourced lobby groups will happen to be in the main white because of our socioeconomic situation. And the more they win in the courts, then the accusation will be that the courts are in cahoots with them and as such, judiciary has not transformed and justice is expensive. So ordinary people cannot win the courts. So that's the one thing, and that's the same thing as when we have new legislations and comments are asked uh, by Parliament. In the first instance, the issue of parliamentary relocation debate should be there because it's so far for a person from Zanin, Limpopo, Mpumalanga to travel to Cape Town. And as such, it then ends up being certain lobby groups which are able to be heard and which are able to present themselves as though it's the voice of the rest of the country. That in itself, I think, it's something that even those who are enthusiastic and eager to go again and again to courts should be thinking about because it may delegitimize
the very last arm of defense oh. that we have to interpret the laws. Well, let's take some calls. 0891104208. Let's try and keep them short and sharp. Solomon and KwaZulu Natal, good morning. Good morning, Sakina, and uh, to your guests and to your listeners. Welcome. I, I just, yes, yes, thank you very much. Yeah, there is a judicial overreach. I think the judiciary has taken a stance and a posture which is anti-government, and uh, they are taking over a space whereby the government should play a role. You see, they are now earning themselves colors of in political parties to the general populace who at times feel frustrated by the court which continuously interjects in government programs and those programs in the main that are seen to be benefiting the majority and the disadvantage. So I think uh, obsession about battles which need to be fought at a political space but they happen to be taken to the judicial will cause the country to lose in the bigger picture. We must correct the historical imbalances. We must deal with our socio-economic conditions. But as it happens, the court represents the exclusive privileges of the few who were the beneficiaries of the previous system. Now, this is dangerous. I think this is a serious threat to our democracy as a country. We need to regulate judiciary as one of the state arms. But if it takes a posture of being a government, I think uh, the parties have got a reason now to say we better take our campaign to the judiciary. Like the recent, uh, the recent judgment by the Pretoria High Court. I think in, my, in as far as I'm concerned, it's ludicrous. Really, from the advent of democracy, presidents have always enjoyed the... 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 the, the, the the privilege, I would say, of appointing and disappointing ministers. And politicians do know that they don't enjoy any rights, like people employed with a contract. Now, when you are invited, you accept that, and you must leave, you must just leave. To me, I, see, I, I, I really see that there is an overreach as far as the conduct of the judiciary, judiciary is concerned. Okay, thanks, Solomon. And Neil and Zanin, good morning. Sakina, thanks for a lovely show. Forgive me for thinking I put on ANN7 this morning. But uh, anyway, uh, I just want to make my point on this judicial overreach um, concept. Personally, um, if somebody is overreaching, which means they are intervening on their own, the courts are not intervening. People are taking cases to the courts. So you can either say that the courts are incorrectly so I do not think this concept of judicial overreach is accurate in that terminology. But you can say, as unfortunately senior ANC officials are making a very dangerous um, uh, uh, so say, statement, especially attacking Judge Vardy, the judiciary is under attack by those that are losing court cases. And yet they are the ones that are setting a bad precedent for this democracy because the people on the ground are now going to start doubting the judiciary because leaders are saying so. So, uh, personally, um, I, I think um, one of your esteemed um, guests there has contradicted himself the, the whole morning. Uh, I mean, how can you say, on the one hand, the judiciary is being abused, and on the other hand, you then confirm we are an infant democracy? So there are going to be many, many attempts 
to, to test our laws in the country so that 30, 40, 50 years from now, when the, when the democracy is matured, people then can enjoy all of these trials and tribulations that are put in place in court. So people, either the judiciary is acting in a partisan way or acting objectively, but they are not overreaching, certainly not over. Thank you so much, Neil and Zanin. Mboneni in Durban, good morning. Uh, good morning, Sakina, and good morning to your guests. And thank you very much for taking my call. Two things, Sakina, that I just want to raise. Uh, I understand the issue of uh, the argument about judiciary overreach. I am just surprised, concerned that, you know, uh, certain things are said after a particular judgment has, has actually given, which other people feel, uh, feel that it doesn't favor them. Then we immediately run into calling the courts or the judges with all sorts of names. I am not quite sure, Sakina, whether it just is freedom under law, as I've heard this morning, that they intend approaching the court about the, the reinstatement and not the reappointment of Brian Molife by ESCOM, whether that tomorrow will also be called judiciary overreach, that the judiciary is not supposed to be uh, getting involved on matters that are brought to them by individuals or by organizations. The reason why I'm, I'm saying this, uh, Sakina, is because uh, what I know is that if the judgment doesn't favor you, you'll have all the reasons to say why the judgment was wrong. We have a situation in our country today where judges, uh, if judgment does not favor a certain individual or a certain group of people, and judges are labeled as Anti, uh, anti-government, and therefore judiciary needed to be transformed. And when judgment favors those people tomorrow, then the judges are called uh, uh, transformed judges and judges that are not understand the constitution of the country. So we still have a lot. I, I, I appreciate very much what Professor Somato Tafigen is saying, that we need as us as civil society organization, individual South Africans, but we also need to be assisted to understand under what circumstances can a court refuse a simple application for whatever matter. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, for Mboneni in Durban. Rex is in Germiston. Hello, Rex. Morning, Sakina. Morning to your guests and listeners. I think um, some of your guests are absolutely very utopian and very partisan in their their reasoning that they are telling us. There is no judicial overreach when the majority and the, of the people and the entire population is crying foul to what is happening in the presidency and how the presidency has been uh, using our well, our tax, our tax money to enrich his family and enrich his friends. I don't even think he's enriching his friends. He's enriching his, using his friends to enrich his family. Now, the same thing goes as when the presidency comes to tell us that um, look at the people that are marching. As if it's only the wise that are complaining. That is undermining, I mean, our sense of judgment that, that, that we are not complaining. It's only the wise that are complaining, and we do not have any right to complain. There is no judicial overreach. When people go to court uh, to, 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 to do what the parliamentarians we elected could not do, because we elected them by secret ballot, they now go there, ostentate themselves away from us, 
and begin to do the things as they wish instead of taking mandates from us because by mere extension of the mandate with which we elected them, the, 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 the vote in the parliament supposed to be secret and not open. Thank okay. you. Okay. Thanks, Rex in uh, Germiston. Tabo in Johannesburg, what's your view? Hello, Sakina. Hi. How are you doing? Good and you? I'm okay. Sakina, for me, I think that uh, the judiciary and the legislature together with the parliament, there's a disjoint. When you look at the constitution, I mean, some of the rules that are there, they are not in support of what is happening in parliament. For example, if the constitution was the only document that we were to follow as a country, I think that Zuma would have stepped down after he was found of being in violation of the constitution during the Nkanda saga. Okay. But that's, that's my contribution. Thanks so much, uh, Tawan Joburg. Oh, and do we have many messages this morning? Uh, Paki in Cape Town says, SK, I think we are seeing the Constitution being put to a real test, and it's not a bad thing at all. Um, Sheriff Ndlovu says, Constitutional Court is our last resort as a beacon of hope to save South Africa. Um, uh, this one from Neliswa says, The truth um, is that the three arms of state, um, uh, legislature, the executive have been captured and it's only the judiciary that is still working. That's from Nelly Swa. Agnes says, anybody who opposes the president gets reshuffled and many in the National Assembly are unemployable so they will keep voting for their jobs and that would necessitate the action that we see. Hule says, there's no court overreach. It's only normal to run to a court when rulers misuse their powers, forgetting that the majority is not all Always right, and many people concurring with that, saying that it is because of the misuse of power that the courts have to step in. Nick and Hilton says, "How can the opposition hold Parliament to account when the ruling party does not play fair? It abuses its power and then acts in an irrational manner." Another one here um, from um, it's unsigned actually. Uh, oh no, it's from Mama Bolo Maribe who says uh, the DA Helen uh, Susman and the television. Uh, called ENCA are all working together to overthrow the government that is led uh, by the ANC through the courts of law and uh, there are three arms of state and each has its own rights to perform its duties so the courts must interpret the constitution and not add what is available in the constitution. Um, This one says could a snap referendum settle this matter? Uh, The unemployment rate will come down temporarily also and then um, Jonathan in Bloemfontein says hi Sakina, I don't understand. Why are the presiding officers in Parliament uh, belonging to a certain political party? Because they will not be fair in executing their duties like what we have seen in many instances in Parliament. Tish says, with our country one step away from being a banana republic, thank God we have the judiciary. Let's hope it continues to do its work uh, that it has done or will descend into another Zimbabwe. Many, many, many more messages there. But, uh, Professor Vigeni, let's take a bite at what uh, our listeners have raised. Actually, I want to start with something commonsensical and logical. When something ends up in court, there is usually an evolution of a sequence of activities. And the question is whether there is a recourse for people at other levels to deal with those. So it is up to the executives 
to begin to ask themselves, what is it that we are failing to do or that which we are doing that has attracted so much so that they can begin to correct that, then you'll have less court cases. Similarly, Parliament, at least there are signs now that Parliament is becoming a lot more vigilant in a non-partisan manner to hold the executive to account. In such instances, you'll begin to see less going to court. The case of the SABC, you realize that in the main, people have stopped going to courts now because they see Parliament is taking charge in trying to correct the situation. So it is not just a matter of I choosing the judiciary. The introspection should take place there. It's the same thing among the political parties. People say, why do you say this and that in public? You should say it within the branches or within the structures. Or why do you take this or that action? You should come to the branches. And in another report within the same political party, they say branches have been corrupted. Some of them, uh, you know, were made through wrong means. And they say, I've been raising this issue for the last three years, but it is being silenced within the branch. So that self-examination is very important before people say uh, there is something wrong. What's that? Yes, uh, Sakidam, you know, uh, 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 Dr. Somerville has covered the part regarding the judicial. Let me cover the part that talks about the civil society. What I wish for for this content, what we should be doing from now moving forward, since, you know, as, as, as Prof has said, Parliament is mature and Parliament is starting to do its duties and they are realizing the civil society uh, unsettlement. What we should be wishing for? And I've done such a program in Mozambique two years ago when I worked for an Action Aid International. It's something they call building local democracy, whereby the civil society is being equipped. You know, as somebody earlier on had said, the majority of people don't have money to can challenge matters in court. Cape Town is very far to go and present documents to Parliament. But if we build local democracy, meaning if we build the civil society movements and organizations and teach them and make sure that they are aware of these constitutional processes, they are aware of rights they can exercise at local level within the communities, that will help the country to move forward. And that will also make those communities or those civil society people not to rely solely or absolutely on MPs that they deploy to the national government or that they deploy to the provincial government because they will be informed. If a member of a ruling party or an organization that has been deployed to the legislature is acting and or behaving in a manner that is anti the constitution or anti the interest of the movement, then the people of that movement from the society will rise because they are informed in this instance, will rise and say, but we did not deploy you to parliament to go and serve your interests or your personal interests or some individuals. You are well, but that's a bit of a stretch because, as we've heard time and time again, especially of late, MPs are mm-hmm. there to represent their parties and not yes, their constituencies. Yes. As, as I, they, they, uh, but the parties are formed. The parties are formed by the nation, by the civil society. You look at the ANC. The ANC has approximately one million members, but they receive 
approximately 12 million votes during the 2014 election. It's very clear that almost 11 million non-ANC members have put their eggs to the ANC. So they cannot sit there and say we are only representing members of the African National Congress which are at the branches. They are actually representing 12 million voters who have entrusted them with their interest as a nation. Well, the reality is quite different. But let me read some of the messages. Sam Ditejo says, how can political parties not go to court when there's a blatant abuse of state power by President Zuma and your guests should concede that this country's constitution has loopholes uh, because of how it was drafted and adopted and there's no judicial overreach. Separation of powers is meant for checks and balances and that's how the system is. And then Africa Yearning says, judiciary is the only arm of government constitutionally empowered to settle disputes. Respect and strengthen it rather. Azeta Zana says, how quickly we forget Mbeki government had to be forced by the courts to give people HIV antiretrovirals. Sabelo says, politicians uphold the constitution and the courts protect it. Politicians aren't abusing the courts, but finally they are using them. And Lungi says, um, Nkandla and the public protector cases would have fizzled uh, in Pali. Mbeki and Mandela were never litigated uh, as much as this. Why? Um, I have to disagree with your guess. The ANC uses its majority in Pali uh, to cover up constitutional abusers. And then Guguletu says, if there's a legal dispute or uncertainty, you go to the courts. It's called the rule of law. And King Cotini says um, the ANC has continuously used its majority to undermine the Constitution and the people of South Africa. While Chris uh, Maxson says beyond toying with judicial overreach, we must also ask, have we ticked all the boxes of a failing state? Because right now it's a bit of a cop out. And then, um, then a few more also coming through. Many more, for that matter. Joanna says, um, uh, turning to the courts. Uh, what do you do when the governing party puts party above country and abuses its majority? Very few cases have been thrown out, and the majority have been valid and beneficial to the country. So the court's rules. And that's where we're going to leave it uh, for this morning. Thanks to our guests, uh, Professor Somatota Fikeni and uh, Butsang uh, Muilaloa, and of course to you for your fantastic participation. And just judging by today's comments, it would seem that many of you think there isn't judicial overreach and that the courts are simply doing their bit. It's time now for the latest news with Nomsa Mluli.